welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast, where every week we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under, with your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio. Hello and welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. I'm your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio, and today we are talking about episode seven of season one of Six Feet Under titled Brotherhood. Uh, today's guest co-host is Natalie Willis, who is a great friend of mine and a co-worker. We are both funeral directors and on my end, after failing to get someone you know, directly involved with mortuary affairs in the military, uh, I realized that my co-worker Natalie was very well versed in arranging military funerals. So Natalie, say hello. Hi, Victor. <laughs> Hi, Natalie. Hi, everyone. Um, and I have to say right off the bat, your claim to fame regarding this podcast is you actually named this podcast, if you remember. Wow. Thank you, Victor. I appreciate you recognizing that. I did. <laughs> I'm, I was very excited, though, that you that you were going to put something like this together. So I just searched my brilliant mind for a title and you took it. Do you remember what my what the, 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 the title I had before you came up with this one? Um, I, don't, I, was, I was trying to remember what I had. And I remember when you said I remember being at work when you said digging six feet under and it was like yes that's it that's perfect yeah i can't think I of the other I ones before i don't i don't know they just they just weren't as good as digging six feet under so i've, I've erased them from my mind <laughs> i was gonna say yeah so we we all owe you uh credit for the show so well thank, thank you. you thank you thank you <laughs> uh natalie i believe you are as licensed as long as i am how yes. long have you been a licensed funeral director 10 years 10 years okay uh-huh. and is that let's if you were to lay down your credentials as to why someone would be paying would need to pay attention to you your voice during this podcast, um, what would you say? Well, I I like I find that in our industry that a lot of time, and this is just kind of like my thing, but I always like to introduce or like when somebody asks me what I do, I always say I'm a licensed mm-hmm. funeral director and embalmer because in some states right. you know you can be one or the other, and so this it's just you know we went through we went through school and we did a lot of stuff and I, you know. We deserve to add that title. Um, why do I think that I should be listened to? You know, I just I just have a ton of experience from some uh, some great uh, f- funeral directors. I've been in the industry a lot longer than me, and uh, they've taught me well. And um, that's why I think that uh, you know, from their experience and from my personal experience, um, I just like to share it and and what I have to offer. That's what I have to offer. Now you are also I don't know the correct terminology on this. You can say it. You are licensed in eye enucleation. I am a certified eye enucleator, yes, in addition to go. what else I do. So, uh, If you were to just give a quick capsule of what exactly that is. A certified eye enucleator, when a family um, chooses to uh, donate the eyes for research purposes, um, I would never be able to. There's a difference. There's a certified eye enucleator, and then there's someone that actually um, the, the eye bank sends in that could remove corneas. I just do whole eye donation. So when a family gives permission uh, for that gift uh, to be donated, then uh, they will call me and I retrieve um, whole eyes before an embalming would take place and get those to the uh, eye bank. You know, I've been I've been licensed as long as you, and it was never until we started working together that I even knew that that was like a funeral director can be that. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, just, I never knew that. That's crazy. Yeah, it's one of the things that we can do to assist. Uh, some funeral directors don't. Some embalmers don't want to do it uh, because of some 
problems that you could have along with the embalming, but they teach you very well. And as long as you follow the right. steps that they outline, you shouldn't have any issues. All right. So if we can get into our episode, uh, like I said earlier, the episode is titled Brotherhood. And this episode originally aired July 15th, 2001. And our death capsule sort of begins with Viktor Kovic, and he's taping a message to his mom and his folks back at home while he's away at war. And I remember watching, because this is my God knows how many times rewatching this series, but I remember the first time watching this. And it's sort of because they, you know, they opened it. It's just who's going to die and how will they die? Yeah. And I, I remember thinking once more of the friends get involved. And because there, there's a moment where he talks about how whatever is more dangerous than Saddam. I remember the first time watching it, I thought it was going to get like bombed and like, you know, the tape cut off and whatnot. Uh-huh. Um, but as we see, the camera pulls away. And what I think is a nice comparison shot to what happens with Victor and his brother, uh, the camera pulls away and we see that it's actually Victor watching his own message that he had sent his family. Yeah, so um, sad. And in the in the video, he's a nice, young, handsome-looking man, mm-hmm. and just kind of as you know, he has passed due to I, I don't. What do you think the co- would the cause of death be? Lung cancer or Gulf War syndrome? It would it would be lung cancer, right? Well, I I don't I don't know. I didn't really pick up on that, but there were two clues I think they gave. One was the Gulf War video that he was watching or that they came to right. pick up. And then if you remember at the memorial service, the brother asked uh, one of the other officers if he had lung problems too. So, um, right. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I gotta say, I'm not, I'm not 100% well versed on the um, major medical uh, problems that happen right, right. with our guys overseas, but uh, yeah, it's, it's one or the other, or, or maybe perhaps it's the same thing. And I thought, and uh, just where we are, in the season so far, seven episodes in, I think this was probably one of the saddest, just opening deaths, just because, you know, you see what he was, and now you see kind of the shell of what he used to be, and it's, it's yeah. you know, it's pretty sad. It's it's terrible. Our episode rolls out with Nate, and he's sleeping at Brenda's, and the pager goes off, and right off the bat, did you, have you ever had a pager being a funeral director? No, but one of my first uh, jobs ever when I was 16 it was I used to sell beepers <laughs> <laughs> you used to sell beepers yeah man I used to sell beepers at high school and uh that was my after school job and um you know I was so cool I had a message writer so I just think it's so funny when I see those things <laughs> you know and it's it's met I want to say it's as as late as five years ago I actually had a pager <laughs> Uh, I've mentioned I've mentioned before on the podcast that I used to do trade work, and trade work is basically where, you know, I'm I'm a freelance funeral director and I work for a bunch of funeral homes and the company I was working with for whatever reason we were sort of archaic, and this is before like what cell phones are today on how uh, reliable they are. We used to all carry pagers and, you know, just sort of like this. I mean, this this was sort of like my job or my life rather, where I'd be laying in bed and the pager would go off. Uh-huh. It's just, I mean, besides doctors and hospitals, I can't imagine any industry still has pagers, right? Yeah, I I can't imagine it either. It's so funny, but they still exist. I know someone that uses one. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Nate, now he's, I guess he's still an apprentice because he's not licensed yet. And oh, he's, a, I guess, a business father at this point. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting here is, you know, if we're in episode seven and if each episode's a week by week, 
So we're in week eight from when the season started, when his father died. Yeah. And what I thought was kind of crazy is how, you know, he needs a vacation already. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, you know, that's kind of crazy just to start. He's eight weeks in and he already, you know, and Brenda points it out that he already needs a vacation. And obviously when he's talking to David about it and David's just a complete I'm, 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 I've been trying to come up with a term for David himself. Uh, I mean, he's a workaholic or yeah. he uses work as a shield to be happy, you know, and there's a problem there where Nate needs a you know, vacation already. And David, David himself hasn't even had two days off, you know? Yeah, I, uh, I was watching that too. And I thought, and he's like, oh, you know, I had to, I had to do two removals this week. And I thought, <laughs> what, what, what? <laughs> you know, that's, that's yeah. a vacation. Are you kidding me? Um, yeah, that's a I nice mean, slow week. No, uh, he, I, I, I gotta tell you, it, it makes, it just, it, it, I cringe whenever I hear him whining about how much he works because you see David is a workaholic and he is keeping things together and he is a, a licensed funeral director and it is his parents or his father's business. And, you know, he's right. not begging for a vacation time and ugh, it makes me, it just makes me sick sometimes. I, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Another quick moment on this open. I want to touch on is when Brenda smells Nate's shirt and ugh. she comments on how he smells like death, you know, being both of us being funeral directors, assuming Nate had a, quote-unquote long night right and assuming he embalmed which kind of contradicts him not being licensed but whatever uh no one would walk into their bedroom get into bed with their clothes still on from embalming right no ew i mean even for comfort's sake just, no. just you know let alone how tired you are just for comfortable whatever no. um, i mean i know i know myself with with people uh uh when i've been embalming a lot i do i definitely know that my shirts do have a my, well, my shirt that night does have a, I, I, I could say formaldehyde, but I'll just say a chemical smell. Uh-huh. But I'm just, I, when, it, when it's been that long, I've been working that much, I, I can't wait to take it off and shower, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I but have it's... rules about that in my house. I mean, while I am the only one that lives in my house, my shoes mm-hmm. do not walk past a certain step, you know? <laughs> and the clothes, there's no, there is no way that I, no, the answer is no. They come off. They go into the laundry basket and, you know, new ones are put on. So, yeah, yeah. That's funny. I think mo- I would think that um, 95% of embalmers probably do the same thing that we do. <laughs> and, and I mean, there is a kind of comfort level because like you said about the shoes and that's something that most people don't think of. And Ugh. while I'm with you about the shoes, right. But there comes a point where you just kind of I don't want to say forget, but. I mean, your shoes are your shoes and whatever if you're embalming. But, I mean, those embalming shoes, they're no more dirtier than your other shoes, right? I understand what you're doing while you're embalming, but we're not, like, stepping on organs, <laughs> right? No, like- no, 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 no. It's just it's, – it's a, it's a thing that I have. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have an option to wear shoe covers during right, prep. Right, right, But you, you usually end up falling. I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But- so uh, I used to keep a pair of um, Birkenstock. Um, I used to wear them while I was waiting tables too. They're so comfortable, they're like clogs, and I would, you know, do prep mm-hmm. work in those, and then I would switch out into my heels um, back when I was wearing high heels. Um, but I just now just I don't even bother with the switch anymore. I it isn't it isn't it isn't anything else than what we're stepping out on the streets. It's just it's a personal preference. 
no. Right, right, right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would never hop into my bed after, with a suit that I've had on. And, you know, because also I think sometimes I think the public thinks that we like dress down into scrubs <laughs> and do prep work. And no, I mean, we're wearing our work clothes, you know. I mean, so. the furthest I go is I take off my, and like you see, because obviously, and again, just to the audience, we work together, but uh, when I embalm, I'll be wearing my regular suit, but I'll just take my my shirt off, but my, I'm not, I, I have an undershirt still on, but my, my, my buttoned, my buttoned shirt that I wear yeah. for work for quote unquote professionalism. Yeah. I take that off while I'm bombing, but like, yeah, there's the amount of time it would take to dress down into scrubs and dress back in and out is just, yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're kind of on the, on the go quote unquote. Uh-huh. And to get off the funeral topic just for a little bit, um, the relationship moment when Brenda and Nate are talking and, you know, Nate's just kind of being Nate and he blurts out, I love you to Brenda. Yeah. And it was just, it came just straight from the gut. Like, you know, just, it, there was no, uh, what's the word? There was no hesitation. He felt it and he said it. But I had loved how Brenda reacted to it. You know, she, she you could see in her face and it's good acting too. You know, she heard it, she processed it and then she reacted to it. Um, you know, but Nate be a Nate, he just kind of glosses over it. And that's how this trip to Vegas sort of. Why can't uh, why can't every guy say I love you as easily as Nate has done in this episode? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And what's funny is like Brenda being Brenda is it was too much for her, which I get it. And she's such a complex character, which is you know God knows how you even start talking about her. But uh-huh. like, yeah, that's a good point because Brenda is like, whoa, whoa, slow down, and that's how just ju- just to smooth the moment over. Nate's just like, well, let's go away. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I've had to, I've had to make two removals this week and I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can't take any more it's, vacation. It's been a time. long week. It's been a long, <laughs> week. long week. I've worked 25 hours. So yeah. uh, later on in the morning, while Nate and Brenda are quote unquote yeah. being intimate, good old Billy comes in and he doesn't even give a knock or, or a warning or anything. He kind of just drops right in. It's incredibly odd, and Billy is supposed to be an odd character. But even something like this, it's it kind of in, in a show about death and and embalming and what. This is really weird. Him just kind of watching them have sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Billy's super weird. Yeah, and he and he's meant to be so. Um, and you know, and and on top of this, uh, and and it's the scene is set up on purpose. You know, five ten minutes, five or ten minutes later. After they they got caught and now they're not having sex, Brenda's like sort of intimate uh-huh. with Billy looking at pictures. Yeah, so that was uh, I'm glad that we're talking about that because that just it's okay to be weird. There's there's nothing wrong with being weird, but to barge in and watch your sister be intimate with somebody and it looked like you know you were enjoying it, and then to have Brenda. Is canoodle a word? I don't know what she was doing. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have brothers. I have no brothers. I have sisters, but I still wouldn't, mm-hmm. I don't touch my sisters like that. I don't, it's very, they got a really, in my opinion, sick relationship. It's, it's odd. I know that, you know, for, I know that we'll learn things along the way, but it's, it's odd and, and I don't like it. It's very uncomfortable to watch. And if I was Nate, I'd be like, peace out, no more, see ya. And, and if I was to like place the two of them in front of each other, like what's weirder, the fact that he sat there and watched them have sex or how intimate she was with him, you know, 10 minutes later, 
it's weird how intimate she was with him. It's, just, it's, you it's, know, just kind of hugging on him. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's sort of the uh, precursor to come of what happens later on in the episode because mm-hmm. uh, Billy looks on as they kind of kiss goodbye and, you know, that sets up for what happens later in the yeah. episode. Moving on to David's storyline, he is part of the congregation of his church and they are picking a priest for their parish. Mm-hmm. And something you could definitely um, shed some light on. And as some, as both of us who works in this industry, uh, we have a close affiliation to the churches. It's it's a vital part of our business. I never knew. Oh, let me say, I never knew the church had this much politics. But the more I kind of thought about it and let it settle, it, it kind of made perfect sense. Yeah, man, the church is still a business, regardless. And of course, they're gonna have politics in in their business. Um, I can't. I can't tell you like what procedures are as far as getting elect. I don't even know if you were used the word elected into the mm-hmm. priest position uh, as far as mm-hmm. anything other than, you know, uh, Catholicism. But mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I didn't, that whole deacon situation, I've heard of other churches being like that, you know, they have a group of deacons and they decide on who the pastor's going to be, but it's all mm-hmm. politics. Yeah. And, and I don't know why, cause you know, people think that about our industry where, as as doing what we do, of course, in the end, it, it is a business. There's, you know, uh-huh. we are not. Uh, so, and then, you know, I just kind of get got to thinking that, you know, people are people, and if you give them a little bit of power, you know, that's 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 where the the politics part just comes boiling out. I just, I, it took me a moment after my first watching just to be like, oh wow, you know, the church is that politics, and I, I guess anything is right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like life is politics. Life is politics. Sure. But but David is handed the task of finding the new priest for St. Bart's, and he meets with Father Clark in the church. And we kind of see how progressive and forthcoming Father Clark is. And, you know, they, while they're talking, you could kind of see um, their two souls kind of recognizing each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, David, he acknowledges the politics, obviously. And Clark does as well, but he kind of he wants to be better and bigger than that, I would yeah. say. Yeah. What, what was your impressions on Father Clark? No, no. I mean, I, I, I was a little creeped out by him. I just, you know, I don't know what wow. it is. I, I was. Mm-hmm. It, it is what it is. It's typical. Here's somebody that wants to come and try a different way and maybe, you know, branch out and attract more parishioners. And then you've got the other crowd that the that say, we don't want to change. We don't want to change. And I just feel like that's what he's going to face and the frustration. And David is young enough that he's not part of, you know, if you looked around the table and saw, or the circle and you saw the deacons, it was obvious Hmm. that David was the youngest person there. Um, Right. So he's, I mean, he is young and he, I'm sure he's open to more change and more ways of, uh, you know, branching out and and doing what the church does. So uh, I think that, I think the two kind of got, got together on that connection. And then I love the moment when David asks Clark, why did you decide to be honest with me? And he goes, because I can tell right and wrong matter to you. And if you remember, David just kind of glows. You know, yes. he's, it's it's a it's another great acting scene. I, I I think the best acting is when if you could emote everything through your face, and you know, you just kind of see David is like intellectually stimulated and aroused. Just it's like a little kid seeing a, a cartoon character. He just uh-huh. his entire everything changes. Um. I like that. It was a nice moment. David it was a scene, nice moment. You know. And it, I kind of could tell, too, that David was getting a little man crush as well. But <laughs> Yes, yeah. he was. He was. 
And to our, I guess I would say our main plot for this episode, uh, Paul Kovic, is the brother of Viktor Kovic, who died in our death capsule, is he's at the Fisher Funeral Home to make arrangements for Viktor. And, you know, something right off the bat I wanted to get into is when Nate walks in, he's sort of buddying up to Paul, you know, because they had known each other in high school. And Nate asks where he works. And all of a sudden, Paul throws up this huge guard because you know, he thinks Nate is finding out where he works, what he does, so they can kind of price gouge him. Mm-hmm. And being that this is an inclusive and informative podcast, this Paul, uh, Paul's Paul's reaction to it is uh, uninformed. And right. where I where I wanted to go with it was the, I guess the general price list as to understand how and why prices are not price gouged. Yeah, I mean, um, we, it's, we are regulated by the FTC that whenever the word, you know, dis, the discussion of funerals come out of somebody's mouth, a price list is in their hand. You know, we're not making prices right. up on the spot. You know, because you rolled up in a rolls, we're not like, oh, your funeral's 12000 And the person that rolls up in a, I don't know, a Toyota, we're not like, it's eight. You know, that's not the way we do it. <laughs> <laughs> There's two things about that. Like, like one, like, yes, it, it's actually by law that if yeah. someone walks into your establishment... And and basically any funeral director that is listening to this already knows how this is kind of what this conversation is. Is But anytime a family walks into your establishment and in requi- inquires anything regarding pricing, you have to have a, a general price, price list or what we call a, a GPL, right? right. Um, you have to have that available on hand to give them. So like just like you said, no matter what they're driving in and what they look like, they are getting a set price. Like everything's already been predetermined. We're not, you're not making assumptions on your value and uh-huh. increasing the, the, the second thing about that is, and, it, and it's funny, I guess, I guess I wonder if you think the same thing, the person who does show up in the Rolls Royce usually <laughs> does not have a, I don't want to say as expensive as, or as a lavish or, or what's the word I'm looking for? Cause I, I know you know where I'm going with it. Um, yeah. Yeah, they don't have a. Um, they, we we as a business we would fail if we were pricing based on what you drove, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Because <laughs> it almost it's almost flipped where uh-huh. uh whatever you want to say about a car, just if you're just uh, sizing someone up, it it almost tends that the people more closer to earth, for lack of a better term, do more to honor their loved one. That's right. I um, I agree with that. It's uh, I, I I definitely see what you're saying about that. Um, it's been my ex- it I I've had the experiences, but I've also had you know we both we've had both of the experiences where the person mm-hmm. rolls up, they've got a car that I will never be able to afford in my entire lifetime, and mm-hmm. they have a lavish funeral, and then you know you have somebody that um that doesn't have a car like that, and they they put it together, they make ends meet, they make it happen, and they, you know, they have a beautiful service to honor their loved right. one, too. And then that's the flip where, you know, the person rolls up in that car that I'll never see in my lifetime, and they say, you know, just do the minimum, and we don't want to be bothered with this. And then, you know, it's it's both. You know, you just, I think I think it's, it's, it's kind of annoying to me, but it's not annoying. It's only because I do this every day, and I get a little tired of it, that we do not... Mm-hmm try to we do not take advantage of people that's that's not what we're here for we're not sizing you up when you walk in the door and it's 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 a bad mis it's a terrible misconception about our industry and the best way to put that or to 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 prove how that's true is your local funeral home has a general price list that's right. set there 
whether you walk in as as you look homeless or you're wearing the most expensive clothes ever or the car, yeah, your whatever services, it's still the same price. And it's still the same price. It doesn't matter. That. Right. Yeah. You know, and we see here that Paul is Paul is having a hard time. Uh, basically, that is you know that his brother died to what nobody else will acknowledge is Gulf War syndrome. And the rift here is Paul believes that the army had kind of ruined Victor's life, which is. It's it's undeniable that the army ruined his brother's life. Mm-hmm. We can argue, you could talk and argue about everything else, but it's him going. You know, had Victor not served, his life would have taken a different route. Yeah, I mean, he could have died the next day, but the the army did undeniably ruin his his life. Um, but as the episode plays out, you know, we kind of see that Victor wanted his life to mean something. He he didn't want to die for anything. Kind of where we wanted to go with it, it's, and where we could be informative is that. Victor is actually, and you know, we see it here. Victor is actually entitled to a lot of benefits. Yes, he is. Having died, be, having died because of a service injury. Yes. And this is, and kind of how the Fishers just keep saying, it's as it's of no cost to the family. Him dying as a result of a service injury, and you being—I'm not going to call you the expert, but you being a lot more knowledgeable on that than me. I'm definitely not the what? expert, but sadly, I've had my, <laughs> I've, I've had, I've served, I've, I've, I've conducted and over, I've conducted a lot of, it, it's, it's just, it's sad. I, I've just, I've had, to, I have a little bit too much experience with this. Um, so to say, I don't, I don't know how else to say that, but sadly, I've served many families. Right. Um, so. Where would Victor fall in that? And, and well, let's, Victor, and, and, mm-hmm. what, what happened with, so. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that we, we kind of need to understand first before I even, you know, go there. Um, Victor, the, my impression from this episode episode was probably medically discharged from the army and Mm -hmm. he was in a VA hospital when he passed away. Because if, even though you're medically discharged, you know, it's still an honorable discharge and you're still entitled to healthcare benefits and the VA hospital, uh, I think that's where my understanding is that's probably where he yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, he would have been entitled to burial benefits, yes, but not like a full-service funeral um, if you died in the line of duty. So there's a, mm-hmm. there's a difference. Because even our vets are entitled to benefits towards funeral, but it's not 100% covered. Um, a, no, of a, course, of course. A common misconception that I hear from families is, my my parents served in the armed forces, and they're entitled to to the VA burial, so that everything's taken care of. They the VA will just handle everything when they pass away. No, that's not the case. A funeral right. home still has a funeral home will still be involved. A funeral home is who files, you know, a death certificate. A funeral home will be the one who conducts services. The funeral home will be the one that oversees the final disposition. What um, what he was involved and what so many of our uh, and vets are um, are what they get is a burial space or a space for your urn. They have niches now at the national cemetery that's closest to you. Mm-hmm. And if you were of a certain rank or if you had a distinguished medal, you could also be eligible for burial in Arlington or your urn there as well, too. And your spouse is eligible for both. And that right there, having a burial plot, a marker taken care of, if you have a casket and the government provides the liner, that right there is uh, like a five five thousand plus savings 
left for a family. Right, they don't have to right. worry about that part of the funeral bill. Um, but in this right. case, he would have been eligible for, you know, a little bit more benefits towards a funeral. Um, you know, if you pass away in a VA hospital, you know, the VA reimburses the family for, you know, what a removal charge would be that the funeral home uh, would it would give them. But that's another key word that I want to say here. It's reimbursed, you know. Right, right. Um, the family would supply the documentation and the family would be reimbursed. As far as the burial or the, and the ermine at the National Cemetery, the funeral director would oversee that and handle that, and that would be something that would happen, you know, instantly, so to say. And, and being an informative podcast, and I know that was probably a lot to take in because – each person sort of has their own, each veteran rather, has their own circumstances. The point of that is, is that there are benefits available and your funeral director should know them. And if not, there are other resources to find out. Yeah. And I think it's important that, that veterans or families of veterans know that. Because oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's you know, our responsibility as funeral directors to, A, know these benefits. And they do change. Right. But you, the now with technology and, and uh, email and so forth, the VA, whenever they make changes, I've noticed that this past year, year and a half, they have sent out uh, emails to funeral homes, uh, as long as you're on right, a right. list, informing you of those changes. Take the minute to read it so that you can communicate this right. to your families. We are responsible for telling, to educating and telling families what their loved one is entitled to. Um, and I, I cannot tell you, you know, we, we have a national cemetery that's, you know, not far away. I cannot tell you how many people are not even aware that there's a national cemetery, A, and B, that their loved one has the, the benefit of it. And it does, it yeah. does change. Um, not, it doesn't necessarily change what they may or may not be doing as far as services and so forth, but you could just see they're, it's, they're surprised and then they're grateful for it. And then when you say the spouse can also be there too, I mean, that's a huge thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And just like I said, you know, this isn't, you're not to, if you're listening to this and you do, you have a veteran in your family, you're not supposed to take what Natalie is saying and hold it as concrete, but rather just know that there are benefits available for you and to look into that more. Because yeah. the, big, the biggest thing, like you keep saying, is that people just don't know about it. And that's such a shame. It really is. It is a shame. Now, I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not going to quote anything. And, and that's that's OK, too, because I don't know. I don't. Everybody's a different. The, the, all the benefits that they have is assigned differently. The best person to really go to for that information for 100 percent verification is the VA administrative administration. And you can find that online as well, too. Yeah, they are the source from they which are we the learn source. From, so, oh, yeah, we are just two funeral directors talking a VA will give you the 100% hard facts on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, Nate brings Victor's body to the funeral home, and we see that all of his paperwork is attached to him with, if you remember, with the medals taped to his chest, and there is a signed authorization for embalming paperwork. And something here, there, there's two things that kind of happened in this scene is uh, Rico, and it's a thread that happens in these first this first season, I guess, is he gets sort of, I'm not going to say sexually, but I'm going to say like uh, workfully, intellectually, he gets kind of aroused about embalming Victor. (laughs) You know, when he just says how he can make him look like that again. Uh Uh, This is after his little, you know, his little buildup about the cremation and all that. But Uh uh, I've never, you know what it is? I've never seen 
an embalmer ever react like that to the idea of being able to embalm someone? Neither have I. I have not. Rico just paints this horrible... And I guess it's good for the show that he's enthusiastic about his work, but... It's a little too much. <laughs> he's yeah. he's just really he's really excited to embalm, but th- the second thing is is you know when Rico and Nate claim how since he's being cremated he can't be embalmed, and yeah. again like I'm saying it's a thread that shows up in the show a few times and again it's going to be repeat at this point but you could still be embalmed, and have your full funeral your full visitation and still have cremation. Uh-huh. Uh You know the har- the show does a horrible job of letting you the viewer know that, mm-hmm. but. You know, me and you being in this business, and it's it's just how just how people are uninformed about uh, a veterans or anyone in the military their benefits. You know, we also us as funeral directors fight the sort of oh he's being he or she is being cremated, therefore they cannot be embalmed. Yeah, um, I, I don't know the, the the best possible way I try to explain people in short term is just you're doing everything the same, but in the end. Instead of going to the cemetery, you're just simply going to the crematory. And that's how I explain it to families as well, too. When I say, you know, we're going we're gonna to have a visitation, we're going to go to a service or mass. I said, but instead of us going to the graveside, you know, we're going to go ahead and, and take your loved one into our care and, and oversee the cremation. And you guys are going to go and be together as a family with like a re- at a reception or a gathering or something. Afterwards. Right, right. Yeah, just so that they understand. And then, and then, like, if they chose that they wanted their loved one's urn laid to rest at a national cemetery, you know, once the cremation has occurred, I'll give you a call, and we'll go ahead and we'll schedule that, that graveside service time. Nate goes back to the VA where Victor had died to pick up the rest of his stuff, and we see Victor's administrator is there. Uh-huh. I never got a name on this guy, but... And we see how the administrator was sort of pulling the chains behind the scenes, and you know, kind of pushing for a funeral for Victor. Uh, he's the one who had seen what Victor cared and, and wanted. And, you know, as sort of where the brother, Paul, kind of willfully neglected. Um, you know, I think it's sort of selfish on Paul's part, but it's also understandable why he has this riff and why he's kind of fighting his wishes and the administrator's wishes. Yeah. I don't know. I just kind of want to. Ba- I want to back up just a little bit. Maybe this is me just yeah, yeah. Being, being a little. Uh, uh, this made this this Nate would be fired if he worked at my funeral home. <laughs> I would fire him, fire him, fire him. I had like, I my I I couldn't believe the amount of lawsuits that he jeopardized. All right, his family if, if I could slow down, let me just let me just set up what you're going to talk about. Oh, uh, so basically. David and Rico, when they bring Victor into the funeral home, they see that Victor had already signed for his embalming. And Nate makes the decision that they're going to go ahead with a full-service funeral. Nate. Totally against Paul's wishes, which he had. an unlicensed funeral, an unlicensed (laughs) person, okay, makes this decision. And a licensed person listens to it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I, I right, didn't mean to right. interrupt you. They had they had already met with his brother. His brother decided what was going to happen. It is their responsibility right. to oversee. The, the it's just what David said. We we had a funeral agreement with his brother, and Nate saw this paperwork and saw the medals, and then just decided and gave an order to a licensed embalmer to go ahead with prep work. And the licensed embalmer said, "Oh, okay." <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Right. I mean, the two of them. Right. Yeah, okay. uh, uh, I, I I knew uh, you had you had told me that 
before we recorded but oh. what i didn't even take into account is that <laughs> nate isn't even isn't even licensed so nate isn't even licensed even there's nothing <laughs> he's he makes two removals a week and he needs a vacation okay and we're taking <laughs> we're taking orders from him now he's gonna decide how funerals are gonna go no right no right. no not at all to be okay. fair if i could defend nate to be fair uh, nate is trying to fulfill what he has found out about Victor. Yes. And it seems so far, and where we're at in the episode, that Paul is willfully neglecting all of this. And you see, we see later on that Paul, uh, you know, Victor was sort of afraid to kind of tell this to Paul. So while you are right, and in a court of law, it would be a hands-down case, just here as we're talking, Nate is trying to do the right thing, despite... A huge lawsuit being sued and being put out of business. Yeah, well, it's not, you know, I understand what you mean by Nate trying to do the right thing. I hear what you're saying. I just, as as a, and I understand this is TV and this is a show and so forth. But I just, mm-hmm. you know, it is our responsibility to inform families of, of what they have available to them. And sometimes families ask me, what do you think we should do? Of course, my response is, it's not my decision. You know, we do what of you course. guys. But it's not our decision to, I cannot convince people to honor their loved ones the way that I think they should they should be honored. It's not it's right. not for me to do that. And I think that that really, I mean, just from the minute that he walked into the funeral home all casual and the casual conversation that he had with the brother. And then, I mean, I, I, I you know, you can't do that. You cannot decide for a family what they're going to do. That's not our place. Right. You know, so that just I, I know I know what you're saying. It's it's sad. I, obviously, you can see that his brother is grief-stricken. He's lost his, you know, he's lost his brother. He's blaming something. He's projecting his anger out on the army, and he's not seeing it. And we all know that it it would be there would be more closure had he gone through with you know the services and so forth. But it's not for us to to make it happen. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense? Of course. No, yeah. it makes sense. It makes sense. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. But it's just you know, it's just one of those things that 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 happens so david walks in on uh, nate's uh willfully wrong request of the embalming (laughs) of victor and david (laughs) freaks out and you know sends him to the crematory yeah um you know david overriding nate now the the licensed funeral director and owner overriding (laughs) nate the the business partner um you know, Nate. This is where Nate tells David that Victor is entitled to the full, the full service. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the full service benefit amount. And what's really bad, and it's sort of, you know, the the, the, the traits of the characters is that, you know, David sees dollar signs when he's told about that. Whereas Nate, whatever you want to say about Nate, he is at least trying or giving off the impression that he's trying to do the right thing. And we move on to Ruth. She's having her. I guess her companion, Hiram, over for dinner to introduce to the family. And the first person she tells is Claire. And what's funny is she sort of has the same reaction to it when Ruth tells Nate. You know, there's like a quick, oh, oh, Hiram, the guy you cheated on dad with. Yeah. Um, you know, and then later we see where Ruth goes to Nikolai's flower shop to, you know, to offer or to offer to apply for the job. And, 
you know, she sort of lays down her credentials and why she would be great at the flower shop. Um, and, you know, Ruth is a soft soul and Nikolai is just so rough, rugged or whatever. I was with you when you started watching this episode and you laughed saying how... Uh, I don't know if you said. I don't know if you had said that Ruth is your favorite or. I can't you believe you're. I can't believe you're disclosing this. Oh yeah, yeah. Just wait till later on in the episode. <laughs> I said. I wish you could have seen the look on your face too. I said, if there's anybody on this show that I most like, it's Ruth. I'm just as crazy as she is. Um, but only, only outside of work, folks. You know, it just uh-huh. she's just so. I don't know how to describe her. She's. The, I gotta tell you, Brenda and Claire are my least favorites, and I hope you have me back on because I just, ugh, I just want to want to focused on them. But Ruth is just, you know. She's neurotic and and fun, and she <laughs> she just lost her husband, and I don't I don't know. I just I like her personality. I like that she's soft spoken, but she's hardcore. You know what I mean? Does that I think make any she's sense? the most. <laughs> yeah, I think she's the most fleshed out character. Yeah, um, she I, is. I just I do enjoy her scenes. Sometimes they're a little soapy, but you know when they're having dinner now at the Fishers and she's you know introduced Hiram to the family and something that this show does so well uh, if you remember when Claire walks in to meet him <laughs> she has this quick dream vision of Ugh. Hiram oh uh, god it. for lack Don't of a better term plowing, <laughs> <Why> <laughs> plowing you say Ruth this? right in the counter <laughs> oh man <laughs> and you know I'm not saying I have those visions but it's kind of what I imagine as someone as young as Claire, who had just lost her father and now is meeting the new boyfriend. It's kind of what would go through someone's a young adult's head like that. And I just love how 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 it's it's so quick. There's no like, there's no eventual fade into that. It's literally like, oh hi, this is Claire, and the next shot is just Hiram and Ruth having sex on the counter. Yeah. Uh, even better when when they're having dinner. And to me, it's the funniest scene of this episode, which was pretty funny. Um, is they're at dinner, and they, well, you know, David is envisioning Ruth kind of rubbing Hiram okay. below the pants. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, I know. I looked away. And her next, and her next, yeah. <laughs> and the next thing she's saying out loud is, you know, oh. and Ruth, and Ruth is so soft-spoken, and she just goes. Oh God, I love his cock so much. Oh God, why would you even say? Maybe I, maybe I don't identify with Ruth, folks. Maybe I don't. Maybe I need to take that back. Um, no, so that being so said, please, please go on more about how you identify with Ruth. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, I, I. Uh, yep. Nope. I don't. Um, you take it all back. It's. I take it all back. I. Um. It, it was so uncomfortable that I had to look away. I was like, oh, I don't want to see this. Ugh, you know. No. No. Thank you. No. Thank you. I I mean I believe you, it, I, I'm, just imagine writing that scene where she just blurts that out at the dinner table. It, it it's one of those moments where it's, for me it was like I literally would have spit my water out if I had water in my <laughs> mouth because it was just happened so quick and so great. Yep, yep. I uh, I definitely turned beet red, and I was just watching the episode. I I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. No. David after dinner, uh, and he's doing a really typical david character trait uh he's getting his suit ready for the morning and pours himself a nice glass of milk sits down and watches porn <laughs> and <laughs> i don't know what happened with the milk but um 
and he gets a call from this other deacon about how possibly maybe that Father Clark is gay. Yeah. And, you know, seeing how, you know, we were talking about earlier how the church is all about politics, David could kind of see that the chess pieces are moving. And how I took it was if, if Clark comes out as gay, it could kind of bring David down. So I had kind of thought, you know, that this is where politics are and, you know, David kind of self-politicking himself. Mm-hmm is kind of why he rejects Father Clark when he goes, talks to Father Jack about it. Yeah. You're uh, saying like I it's for Dave. protection, to protect him? Uh, is that what you're yeah, saying? That's the way, that's, that's the way I had taken it, is that David knows how the church is, and uh-huh. someone like Father Clark kind of would have, for lack of a better term, would have blown up his spot. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I, I love David's honesty and how he's... You know how he's not happy, and if you if you if you remember him saying he's like I lost my father, and he goes I lost my what he was gonna say is because if, if you remember he's now broken up with Keith. God forbid he had said to the priest that he has lost his boyfriend, and he's hurting from that. Uh huh. You know, and the church is a sanctuary; it's the one place that he didn't want to change, but he's obviously seeing it changing. Um, yeah. You know, I just thought it was a sad moment where it's just kind of the politics won. Mm-hmm. And just preventing David further from being able to accept his kind of closeted, you know, sexuality. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Paul comes back to the funeral home to pick up his brother's cremated remains. And <laughs> aside from this funeral stuff, uh, it was a great character moment when, again, when Nate and David tell Paul that the memorial service is not a bother to them. You know, Nate, Nate is just saying how this isn't anything on us. Like, we're happy to do this. And then David's response is, cost isn't an issue. Uh-huh. You know, it's just, when you divide the two characters this early, it's just a subtle showing of, you know, what's important to them or where their values are in their characters. Uh-huh. But Paul walks in against his wishes and they're having a memorial service. And I understand why he's upset, you know, but it finally takes Victor's friends in the room and Nate and David to get through to him that this is what Victor wanted and how obviously again that it wasn't a cost to him they are happy to honor his wishes and it's his let's just say his, his funeral right as a member of the military to be honored yes yes um what did you think about this scene where they're doing the memorial service and where Paul's kind of just reluctant to join in but once he finds this all out you know, right. it, it's it's after it's after he's kind of breaking down and he says he can't even tell me what he wants when he's dead. Yeah. Um, they, they're sort of like, it's heartbreak. What I sort of picked, like plugged from that is like both of us being funeral directors and doing what we do. I We always, we see the importance of uh, memorializing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a loved one. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people can't see that when someone has passed. We see it from where we stand. And, you know, Paul kind of saw it here. What did you think of that, how that kind of transaction went down? Well, I'm not even going to go into the whole, like, realistic part of of somebody walking into a funeral home and seeing a funeral happening with their loved one that they didn't authorize. I'm not even going to hit that. We we all know. We all know my thoughts on that. That's, uh, yep, David would have, not Nate would have been gone. But I just think that... So one of the, when I, when I was a a baby funeral director and intern, one of the, one of the, like, um statements that I've heard that stuck with me all this time and it couldn't be any truer is a funeral is a testimony of a life lived. I think they're so important because that, that scene there 
with the people coming to him and saying what his brother did for them. It helps with the grief and the closure. And I, I, I have no more parents. My parents are dead. They died. My dad, my mom died first of brain cancer when I was 20. My dad died mm -hmm. later of uh, cancer when I was 25. I'm now way mm -hmm. older than that. So I don't have any parents. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that helped and that I think back on is, um, you know, we had memorial services for both of them. Uh, they both were cremated. Um, was the stories that were being told about each of them? You know, obviously the right, separate right. funerals, just the memories and the and the stories, and you know, hearing hearing about how funny my mom was at work, hearing about my father making sure people had food in their bellies, and you know, putting cash in their hands when they couldn't make ends meet. I mean, this is important stuff that you, I didn't know about my parents, and right, it just right. you know, they've been dead for a long time, and I still find comfort and listening to um and I stopped not listening I still have to find comfort in thinking of those moments that I had with complete strangers that I would have never met anyway other any other way so it's important I tell you the one thing that uh, still tears me up at every single funeral I just have to kind of step away is now I'm an I'm a military brat I was uh you know raised in a military family both my parents were actually military and uh okay. while my why my father was a retiree my mother was a veteran. I don't know why, and I, I don't, I'm not even going to get to the bottom, bottom of this. This, this is going to, this would be a terrible Christmas dinner conversation amongst my four sisters. But, <laughs> well, maybe I should throw it out there. I don't know. You could have some dysfunction at Christmas. Um, I don't know why both of my parents, who were both military, you know, both honorably discharged, mm -hmm. why, why didn't the funeral home have military honors rendered? I don't know about that. I'm kind of curious. Uh, it's kind of upsetting because when you see that scene where they're playing taps and they're folding the flag and then they're presenting it to the brother, that's just, do you know the sacrifices that my, that my, again, I didn't know my mom when she was in the military, but my, my dad, right. I grew up with him. He would be gone for years. That was, my dad was gone. And this was not where you just picked up the phone and called somebody and it was, you know, on uh, Skype or something, you know, you, right, right. you wrote, you got letters. So the cert, the, the sacrifices that they make personally in their lives. I mean, that, that moment where, you know, the, the verbiage that they say in this show when they're presenting the flag is not 100% what's actually said, but that moment right, right. is thanking the family you know, on behalf for, for this, this veteran's service and sacrifice. It's beautiful. It's just any, to be a part of, to, to take the time to serve in the military. I respect you. I applaud you hands down to you and you deserve to be honored this way. And, and, you know, I just, it was beautiful, but of course the reaction that the brother had was sad. You know, he's just so angry, so angry. Kind of, kind of going off what you were saying and you know it's hard in your everyday life just every time it, it's hard and it's not that we don't mean it uh, you know as a, as we get into our everyday life and just kind of going along you sometimes you forget how important or what what's what someone's serving means uh-huh and what i'm saying that to say when they play taps now i've done X amount of funerals, you've done X amount of military funerals and whatnot. When they play taps, it doesn't matter how many times I've heard it, it, it makes me feel something. 
Um, yeah, oh yeah. When they just start playing that, it, it always makes me realize it's like, wow, I don't. It, it, it's so it's so real, for lack of a better term. It's so like. It's hard for me to verbalize what I feel when they play taps and when they do the flag folding to hand, you know, to the to the love uh, the love you know, next to kin. You know, despite what you think of our country and everything and what the military does, I, and just like how you were, you wrapped it up in saying that I think honoring and and saluting veterans is important. Mm-hmm. I don't have anyone. I don't have any. Oh, I'm sorry, that's a lie. My aunt had served in the Navy. It's just whenever that song is played at funerals, it, it, am I right in calling it a song? Or should I just call it taps? Well, it's. I think you should just call it whenever taps is played. Right. Um, I shouldn't say song. Yeah, I wouldn't say song. Um, whenever taps right. is played, yeah. That it just always hits me when that's played, and you know, it's so uh, it's so easy for us to just kind of sit there and and honor or salute a veteran, but that sacrifice is so huge, and it's it's tremendous. You know, it's sad. <laughs> right, it's tremendous. Right, I mean, right. I I will never know. The pain. I mean, that, listen. Yeah. Nate. Nate needs a, a vacation after six weeks. <laughs> after, after two removals, he needs a vacation. Okay. <laughs> These people are overseas in a foreign land, horrific conditions. You know, and right. their families are gone, and they're not. They're not seeing their kids grow up. Grow up, and they're not doing. All, my God. You know what I mean? I can't even imagine that life. I can't imagine that life. I, I am so grateful. For our, the, our men and women that serve our country, thank you. Of course. Thank you for right. what your sacrifices you. gives me the freedom to be me. You know, I mean, right. and and it's just, you know, it's very touching for me. You know, now that I've told you this, uh, don't you stare at me, you know, when I'm doing a, a service and they start playing. It just, it, it, it breaks my heart. I miss, I miss my parents. I miss, of um, I miss I, I just that right there, and then oh, if they have a twenty-one gun salute, that makes me just tear up. Oh boy! Oh, the, yep. it just oh, you know. But um, <laughs> it's just it's such a beautiful way that our country honors. And listen, those guys that come, the guys and the girls that come to do military honors, oh, they're serious about what they're doing. You know, there's right, it's no right. joke. It's not it's not like I've never heard them say, "Ugh, I've got to be, I've got to be here, and I got to be there." No. They give the respect to that veteran and that veteran's family, and I commitment that one hundred percent professional all the time, all the time. Right, right. Finally, when the flag is presented to Paul, he doesn't want much to do with it, and you know, so be it. He he didn't want this. Uh, Victor did, but this kind of fast forwards to the scene where Nate and David are walking through the cemetery, and Nate just kind of goes to hug David and. David's reaction is just like, what's going on? What's going on? This is this is too much. Why, why are you hugging me? And Nate just being Nate, you know, if you remember, he just said it to Brenda earlier. Now he's saying it to David later in the episode. Uh, 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 the most simple but most heartfelt, I love you. Mm-hmm. And something something that has been a thread within these first seven episodes is just kind of how, despite everything that goes on and everything, David and Nate are brothers and you know they love each other, and it's it's in a sh- really sad show about death, albeit funny. It's kind of it's a nice character moment uh-huh. for Nate just to kind of grab his brother out of nowhere and just hug him. You know, yeah. I, I really like that for their characters. Do you ever find your? I know at least for for myself, I um, 
you know, when we have certain, certain situations that, that we, that we serve and, and, uh, I don't know about you, but like whenever, whenever there's times where like, where I see a best friend of uh, the deceased, you know, crying and just so sad that they've lost their best friend or a sister. It just makes me I just pick up the phone and I call my bestie or I call my <laughs> sis and I'm like, I just love you. <laughs> They're Sometimes they get so tired of it, you know, but I'm just like, <laughs> I just wanted to call and tell you how much I love you. It's so, I don't know about sometimes. I think that's, that's a downfall of our careers, not a downfall. I don't think that's the wrong word to use. Why would I even use that? But that is just like, it, it, it comes with our jobs. You know, we see this stuff day in and day out and it, it just hits home sometimes, you know, and I just have to, yeah. I, I, when he hugged him, I, I just imagined my, as the 5,000 phone calls I've, I've made to my sisters and saying, <laughs> I love you, sis. You know, they're like, yeah, you just called us two hours ago, you know, right. <laughs> you know, I still love you, but it's just, it, it's just part of, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just, it's one of the things that we do that at least it's like, I, I take it home with me, I guess, so to say, you know, it was right, a beautiful right. scene. As crazy as Nate is and how fired he would be from my funeral <laughs> home. <laughs> God, he would never work. He wouldn't even be allowed to look at my funeral home. Um, no, that was beautiful. That was very, very beautiful. And something that they had spoke right after this is, as as you know, and as funeral directors uh, wanted to get into was Nate. So Nate pushed for Victor's wishes against his brother's Paul's will. And after everything is wrapped up, you know, David says to Nate of how he did the right thing. Despite him, you know, ruining the entire family business. Possibly, you know, Nate in the end did the right thing. And Uh his brother Paul, while he didn't want the flag, you could see that he was honored to be able to honor Victor. (laughs) And, you know, Nate walked away just kind of saying how good it made him feel. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those things in the show as a funeral director I really identified with. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, people can say how sad or, or whatever about our career, but uh, I always say it to people, you know, really helping a family, uh, doing the heavy lifting, not literally, but the, the paper, the, the, the emotional, the heavy lifting, that starts, you know, with your expertise as a, as a funeral director and helping them you know, get, get to honor their loved one. Uh, it always, when I connect with a family, it always makes me feel good afterwards. As yeah. selfish as that may sound, like when Nate was walking away saying how good he felt, I was like, I know that feeling. I uh-huh. know what his character is portraying onto the screen. I, I could feel it, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. I know, um, you know, people ask me all the time, why did you get, cause this was not my first career. I mean, this is not, this is something that I've wanted to do since I was in high school. Um, but I just never, and, and I tell people all the time, I guess I'm grateful that I waited till my mid twenties to go to college for it because I don't think I would be, have been mature enough to be a funeral director, you know? Um, right. but it's just, uh, when my father passed, you know, and I not, again, I'm not even trying to focus on this, but it's just the day he died and then then within like six hours my sister gave birth to the first grandchild you know oh my so God. oh yeah <laughs> you want to talk about an emotional roller coaster but the funeral like home uh-huh. yeah yeah the funeral home that served my family for my dad the funeral director did not do what he was supposed to do. it was it was it was just 
there was no empathy. You know that you know that we just had a first. My sister just gave birth, and her dad died six hours earlier. Come on, and so it was right. that that pushed me because, like you said, the good feeling. My good feeling is when somebody walks through the door and says, "I don't know what to do. Please help me," or of course. just is that I say. I, I've got you. This is what I will walk you through it all. I will, right, right, right. And I will always be there for you. It doesn't matter if it's six months later. I will always be there for you. And that's my feel good moment because it makes me feel, I mean, it, it make, I'm a, it's, it's being a human being, so to say, right? Yeah. And, and, and sort of, sort of to advance that point, um, me and Natalie, we just had, uh, basically what we call a year end mass, uh, helping our families, whatever with the year end and probably one of the best parts is where a family walks in that you had served in February or whenever and they walk in and they they know you by name and you could ask them how is x doing whatever uh-huh. you know you're connect you're connecting people with a really bad time in their lives and you're helping them through that and I, I you know I don't know why I, I feel the need to say even if it is selfish it makes me feel good you know I don't think it's selfish at all. I mean, people like, I don't know, I guess stockbrokers feel good when they buy a <laughs> big stock, right? You know, right, that's, right. that's their way of feeling good. I mean, this yeah. is, uh, yeah, I'm proud of my, when I serve a family 100%, which is always 100%, but when of I serve course. a family, I am proud of what I do because it's not everyone can be a funeral director. You know what I mean? Right. Not, and, not right. E- and, and I never tell families, I know how you feel. No, I don't know how you feel. Yeah. But yeah. I'm here for you. And that that's no. It's okay for us to, to find satisfaction in what we do. It's important. How, mm-hmm. what do, how, why not? To go back to Ruth. And how you're like Ruth when Ruth <laughs> is in the when Ruth is in the back of the flower shop. Yes, she's just surrounded by flowers, and she's just hysterical crying. Oh, uh, no. I really I, I like that moment because that is a that is a Ruth moment, just uh-huh. kind of basking in the happiness or whatever it is exactly she's going through. She's just hysterical <laughs> crying, and it's like, well, why? And it's just because I'm happy. It's like, well, you know. Can you show your happiness another way? But I mean, that's the purest form of showing that you're happy. She's just bawling hysterical. It's I liked it. I liked it a lot. I, you know what? That there's there's two scenes. One of them we didn't talk about, but we, we got to before it closes out. Uh, mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite scenes. That is definitely mm-hmm. gonna be me in my retirement. Also, probably Wednesday. <laughs> I'll be that hysterical too. I don't know. Um, but it's you know what? That's I understood what she was saying. She has been surrounded. For how long <laughs> right, around right. grief, tragedy, sadness, yeah. and now she's yeah. with flowers. You know? yep. just, I feel like, I, I don't know, I just feel like, God, if I had a career change, am I going to go to the copy room and just cry because I'm surrounded by paper <laughs> and office supplies now? I don't know. That's a human feeling. What? I mean, we really take a toll on our mental psyche and our emotional, I mean, this job, and I don't like to call it a job, this this career, this profession, this this is what we do. It takes a toll on us. Caregivers can get exhausted too, you know. So that yeah, that yeah. was that right there was a real probably an, an accurate real scene in my opinion and show just to see her break down like that. Yeah, man. What what was the other Ruth scene? Oh, okay. So <laughs> 
No, oh wait, no, it was Claire, actually, one of my least favorite characters on the show. She had a funny scene in the beginning. Um, if you know anything about me, I despise math. I can't do math. Uh, it's my, uh, my, checking <laughs> ac- my checking account says one thing, my head says another, so does my heart. Uh-huh. So, and, um, when she was in, this just reminded me of high school, oh man, when she was in, uh, in class and she said, well, I'm not going to use algebra ever, there's this comic that came out that was this man on his deathbed and the, the priest said, you, you're, you've only got like two more hours to live. And the guy raises his arms up and says, yes, I did it. I made it my whole entire life without using algebra once. <laughs> that, that is my favorite comic ever because it's my, I, I love it. It's so, and when she did that in the class, I thought, oh my God. This is the only moment I'm going to like you, Claire. I like that. That was so funny. It was really funny. Yeah. The, the <laughs> teacher is just kind of droning on and and and, and almost as, as aroused as Rico gets when he the thought of embalming. This teacher is just way too enthusiastic about a oh. senseless math algebra problem. Um, and, and, and to cap that scene, and Claire in her head just kind of yeah. explodes yeah. her head. Yeah. Um, you know, just because the teacher is pissing her off that much, but yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a funny comic. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. So, <sighs> uh, to end to end our episode, David and Brenda come back to Nate's place. Well, actually, this is before the dinner that they come back to Nate's place, and there's uh, there's a gift basket from <laughs> Billy, and I know that we we know that Billy is bipolar and all, but. It seems crazily passive aggressive and weird. Oh yeah, Billy's and, psychotic, man. And and I have to say as 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 both of us doing a podcast and as someone who's supposed to talk about this somewhat somewhat intelligently, I don't know how to <laughs> with them. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a weird gag gift coming from your friend. I don't even know what the word is when it comes from your sibling. Well, um, I got to say this, if, if uh, my sisters ever sent me something like that, I'd be like, you know, <laughs> let's talk about our, our relationship. Right, yeah. right. That's creepy. It's weird. Yeah. When, Nate, when Nate gets to Brenda's and they're expecting to head out on the road, Billy is having an episode and Brenda can't go because she needs to tend to Billy. And again, knowing that he's bipolar, it, it, it seems intentional almost because... Mm-hmm. You know, really quick, he sort of barks at her of, of how he could, you know, he could be with her some other time. Again, I'm just leaning on. It's like, I don't know how to dissect this and talk about it. Um, it's a downer for Nate because here he is expecting to have a nice weekend after that. You know, his two removals this week, he needed this long vacation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and this is what happens when he shows up. Again, I don't. And I've said this before on the podcast. I don't have enough to work with with this now it's a triangle of a relationship and what Billy is. Well, I guess I have some insight to offer since I've dated psychotic men in my past. Um, oh, okay. I, I would say that I would say Billy is definitely psychotic and a huge manipulator. And if you think about that, um, when she said that they were going to the cactus farm, that look that he got on his face, he's just, he's got this weird obsession with the sister. I hate to keep using the word weird. He's got this sick obsession with his sister and uh, right. he, fr- from that moment, I mean, I without even watching the rest of the show, I could have told you that he was going to come up with some 
reason why she couldn't go. And, and it definitely that get, that gift basket was 100% passive aggressive. 100%. Is that, is that like a symptom of bipolarism? Like, well, is, is that, is that how, is it passive aggressive or, or are we talking about a, a fictional world and six feet under, and this is just kind of the offshoot of it? I get, and this is why I say I'm not intelligent enough to talk about yeah. it because it seems pretty damn intentional towards Nate, as someone who's just kind of pulling Brenda away from Billy, that he keeps doing this. While understanding, it, it could very much well be that Billy's having an episode, and it just happened to be at this time. Well, I I can't really give you too much insight on like what the characteristics right, right, of somebody right. that's bipolar, but um, I don't even I don't even know if you I don't know if manipulation is something that is associated with being bipolar or manic or so forth, but that's definitely what Billy's doing. Billy's a manipulator, and um, yeah, yeah. the the control that Brenda is allowing her brother to have over her is sick too, man. I mean, these people yeah, come yeah. from that. Her mother wrote that book, right? I mean, uh -huh, uh -huh. come on, you guys are all educated psychologists or you come from a family. How do you not see this? I mean, hello. I mean, I don't know what to say <laughs> to you. How do you not see this? It's in your face. And just allowing this is just, I, I don't know if I, if I was Nate, I just, that I just leave, I, I leave her, but you know, he's just so in love. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the comment the comment thread on on each of these episodes once their their relationship intensifies is kind of like, yeah. I would have been out of there such a long time ago, uh, and you know whatever guy could handle how much they could handle, man they would have left such a long time ago. This oh. is and we're talking before Billy was introduced. Now uh -huh. we have Billy, who you know it's almost like Brenda's child. Um, but yeah, and, and and one of the one of the, uh, the the walls that we hit with this podcast is we're kind of limited to this episode, despite knowing the future. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So that's why I'm just kind of. It's not that I give up discussing their relationship. It's just I, I don't. I'm not smart enough, or I don't know enough to you know to take away from it. And you know, I could talk about how how David and he's kind of suppressing all his sexuality and how he's battling that, but. The sis, you know, the brother walks in and the sister are having sex and he's just hanging out. I got nothing, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing that you got nothing. I mean, how do we? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's actually okay. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. All you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm yeah. real sorry that Nate didn't get his vacation, and um, <laughs> you know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry about that. That sort of wraps up our episode. Do you have any um, closing or final remarks toward the episode or the show at this point? No, I mean, the, you know, I really got into the show as I was going through mortuary school in between jobs that would mm -hmm. come on TV. Um, and mm -hmm. I find it to be somewhat accurate, but definitely majority of it's not really an accurate um, glimpse into uh, the day and life of a funeral director. I mean, in my opinion, um, I appreciate you doing this podcast. I like the fact that you're, again, educating people on, uh, you know, what, what we are, what our role is in society. And, and um, I think that's just so important. And, um, ugh, this show just, it just gets better. It just gets better, uh, through time. Yeah, yeah. The drama. Oh, the drama. <laughs> <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs>
So there's as much drama as there is as you say the word drama. <laughs> oh, man, I, I would, I'd quit that. If I worked there, I'd be like, I can't take your drama. I'm done. This is too much for me. But uh, definitely important for those that uh, want to know what the benefits are that the uh, Veterans Affairs Office, um, Veterans Affairs gives is, you know, you can go online and you can see that. Your funeral director should be able to direct you to that. Um, you know, that's where it's, it's important to know, you know, it's important to know. And there is, there are, there are services and, uh, allowances and so forth out there. Yeah. And and the people who, who help with this and assist, they want to inform you kind of how we want to inform you, but you know, we don't have any hands on, uh, you know, with the, the, the VA, um, the people who can tell you about that at the VA or mortuary affairs, they do want to inform you. So if you do have questions about that, I definitely encourage and recommend you go ask about that. Yep. And thank you again to our men and women that serve uh, in our armed yes, forces thank you. Uh, currently and even uh, retired veterans so forth. Thank you so much for everything that you've done to make sure that I'm free today. I appreciate it. Yep. And I honor you. You can follow Natalie on Instagram at Nat Loves Duncan. Do I have that correct? It's N A T L O V E S D U N K I N. Yep. Uh, thank you, Natalie, and thank you for listening. You can subscribe to me on SoundCloud and or iTunes under Digging Six Feet Under. You can email me at digging six feet under at gmail.com with any questions or thoughts or criticism on this episode or just any questions in general. You can tweet at me. I'm at digging podcast on Twitter and I post these all over Reddit. Uh, my main hub being reddit.com backslash r backslash six feet under. And we are now on Facebook at digging six feet under. Uh, so join me next week as I'll be discussing episode eight of season one of six feet under titled crossroads with special guest of the YouTube series titled living among the dead tales from the mortuary and Canadian funeral director, Brett Ray. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening to the digging six feet under podcast. Join us on the next episode as we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under. Please search and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes under Digging Six Feet Under. The Digging Six Feet Under podcast is in no way affiliated with HBO or Six Feet Under. And the views expressed here are solely that of the hosts. No infringement is intended.